Welcome to episode two of the Endurance Sports Running Podcast. My name is Anthony Clark. Thanks for tuning in. And I'm joined by co-host Stephen Cook. Thanks for joining me again, Stephen. How's things going? Wonderful. The wonderful joys of um, Take a Week. Yes. And the yeah, yeah. added thrill of trips to London and stuff in your face full of carbs. It's all good. Good, good, good. So, so uh, we'll kick off with a welcome to episode two. And firstly, to say thank you to everyone who's listened to episode one. I think we're on over uh, 80 um, listens in the last in the first few days, which is fantastic. And the feedback what? on Facebook and no, Instagram. None no, of my mum either. So none, none, no family members. No, we haven't. No, 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 not even me, to be fair. So, yeah, I haven't had to buy anyone or sort of, yeah bribe anyone at all nice good, good stuff yeah so uh, yeah we've had quite a few facebook um messages instagram messages and, uh, and uh, i've seen a few new followers pop up on different platforms strava and instagram you've had the same yeah i'll piggyback a few off of you nice so, yeah, so there's going to be lots of really disappointed people that think that they're following some elite ultra runner and realized it's a middle-aged numpty but there we go all good uh, all the joys of uh social media so uh episode two of the endurance sports running podcast is in association with x miles uh, is also supported by squirrels nut butter and um this is how we're going to run uh with the shows from now on hopefully we'll get support from brands and they have provided a discount code that's available via x miles website that is valid until the next episode is launched so if you use the code e sr podcast at checkout at x miles you will get 10 percent off squirrel nut butter um and we've put a link in the show notes so you can just go there at the end and click the link and it will automatically apply the code to the uh to the shopping basket so that's a nice uh nice little add-on for this episode so uh right so uh catch up time steve let's uh how's the week been going so we we did a trip to the expo on wednesday but um what have you been doing since we obviously this is a shorter period since uh than we would normally have so we're just uh, uh what you've been up to since monday really to uh training and taper week um well a little bit running uh, monday was sort of six and a half miles because it was bank holiday got stood up by all my mates so i do it on my own um <laughs> But that was just a bit of a yeah, just a bit of a jog about. Tuesday, I think I did about four. So again, nothing, nothing much. Wednesday we had a, a jolly up to London, which was yeah, six hours in the car, I suppose. Yeah, I guess we should explain. We've got a, a small training group down here in um, in in Dorset, which kind of attracts a few people from different local clubs. We're all basically. Um, focus on the marathon every year so oh. <laughs> we basically focus on the marathon every year don't we so but we do a lot of sessions together on wednesday our, trem, our tremlo um anchors tremlo anchors uh track club i think the actual name on park run is now listed so uh yeah there's probably 25 30 of us that don't all meet up together but i suppose on some occasions there can be a dozen of us turn up at once from yeah various different clubs to where we'll sort of smash out the horrible sets that you kind of have to do this time of year. Yeah, um, so, a few, so a few of us went down to the expo on Wednesday and, um, uh, and some, of, some of 
us, me not included, uh, managed to uh, get down to Pool Park for our normal Wednesday meetup, which I guess you did. Yeah, there was only about five or six of us there. Um, yeah, it was the, the standard sort of two mile steady, two miles marathon pace, two miles steady again. I'm not entirely sure whose marathon pace I was running at. It certainly wasn't mine. <laughs> it was about 20 seconds faster a mile than my PB pace, but it felt relatively okay. So, yeah, and then a, an easy five this afternoon. Um, nice. Probably have a, have a little bit of a jog out tomorrow. I guess you've been running every day. I haven't really bothered looking at Strava much this week, so I haven't seen what everybody else has been doing. Yeah, yeah well, I've, I obviously did my normal uh, three days of total carb, carb depletion, so I was on four grams of carbs roughly for the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday session. So on Monday, I just did seven, seven miles. Um, Tuesday, six miles. Uh, and then I did a double session on Wednesday. So I did four miles before we went off to uh, London in the morning. And then um, because of commitments with work and other bits, I didn't manage to turn around and get down to um, Tremlow. So I did three times 1K on my own in a, in a six-mile run and managed to uh, manage to get them progressively quicker and all kind of around um, marathon pace. The last one was a bit quicker than marathon pace. Um, but totally carb depleted, which was a. Uh, uh, but that was uh, joyous because you were look, but, you were looking really strong Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. I, I must did say, really I felt I felt better after the session than I did before the session. I seemed to uh, kind of gain energy from it from somehow. Um, and then my final carb depleted run this morning, where I did six miles, uh, and then kind of had uh, some. Some breakfast before heading off to do an hour of Pilates, which was the hardest hour of Pilates I've done for a long time, where I still didn't really have much energy following the, the breakfast, hadn't really kicked in. So it was a, it was quite a struggle. It's quite a struggle just to, yeah, I've, I've, been attacking my, I've been attacking my legs and hips a bit with some Pilates stuff this week. I, I stopped sort of, I go every week to a session that's like a proper class, but I've stopped doing that a few weeks ago because it was it was in the real big mileage stuff and it was just kind of getting in the way of runs a bit. And I was ending up running 10 miles either before or either five minutes before or five minutes after a Pilates session, which wasn't much fun, but I'm going to start going again next week if I can still walk. Yeah, I'm hundred percent. I, I, I won't miss it now. I, I just think it's made such an improvement to my core strength and I don't get back pain anymore. And my hips seem to be a lot better from it and things like that. So uh, I got a, uh, I go to a class as well, an hour class on a, on a Thursday morning, so I try and uh, because I I normally run between before seven a.m. every day just to get my first run in. So um, it kind of we're, just with family, it makes it easier. But then it means I I've got that session at nine o'clock. So Thursdays it tends to be quite a quite a tough day if you're doing a ten mile run in the morning, then an hour of classes, and doing another run in the evening. But uh, luckily this week only only one run required. So. Um, what have you got planned for tomorrow, run-wise? Uh, ooh, not a great deal. Maybe four or five. Um, it, again, it'll be slow. I mean, today was eight and a half minute mile and it was, you know, just jogging about really. So yeah, yeah. tomorrow might be a little bit faster than that just because, you know, today was a kind of recovery. But I won't do much. I can't imagine we'll do a great deal Saturday once we go, once we get up to London about sort of, I guess we won't get up there till about 
sort of lunchtime, will we? So no, I'm planning. So I'm planning to do. I'm planning to do an easy, easy, easy run tomorrow. Maybe um, I might split it, split it, and just do two easy runs. Um, I do do five or six miles in London normally, and I try and do a mile, a mile or two at marathon pace. So I'll see how it is. But yeah, it will be mid mid afternoon probably when I do that. Um, maybe after. I, I, it depends on how how the day rolls out. But as we've already been to the expo and that, we're pretty sorted on what we need to do, aren't we? So. Yeah, it certainly looks like it's looked like the, the weather's turning around a little bit anyway, doesn't it? Because it was pretty windy when we were up there yesterday, wasn't it? But um, it looks like it's sort of dropping down to about 10 miles an hour, which shouldn't be too bad in London, should it? And no, uh, uh, not that warm at all. We're only about 10 degrees as well, isn't it? Yeah, to be honest, I haven't even looked. It kind of it is what it is. So I can do it. Well, yeah, there's that, yeah. Uh, you, you can you can stress yourself out too much. Not that I'm actually that bothered about it this this no, time. It's, 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 I must say, this is the most relaxed I've ever been going into a race. I've got a little bit of goal creep going on today for some reason. I've had, I've had issues with a with a knee that I've been sort of having a bit of paranoia about this week, but that seems to have gone away a little bit. And now I'm a bit like, oh, well, maybe if I just ran out a little bit faster, it might be. <laughs> so we'll see, right. we'll see what happens on Sunday. Good, good. Right, so let's let's move on to what the the show topic for this episode so we um last time we talked about taper week and we just talked about a bit of routine and and kind of carb loading and bits like that so so now today we're going to discuss marathon day fueling so you know how how to fuel your a race marathon and uh make sure that you kind of hit the start line exactly where you want to be so the general the general thinking is normally that you're yeah, sixty to ninety grams of carbs per hour during activity is kind of the what a lot of the gel companies say and things like that, which is which is a lot of a lot of gels. If you try and take on ninety grams of um of carbs per hour, we're we're talking about eleven gels during a marathon, which um is probably an obscene amount of gels to try and take on and and you listen to many podcasts elite athletes and things like that talking you know that they don't hit that sort of that sort of gram of um gels but they do have a constant source of energy so um but most most people would be able to cope you know wouldn't be able to cope and process 90 grams per hour um especially under activity um because their body's just you know they don't do it regularly enough, and they and a lot of people don't train with that much carbs going in and bits like that. So the so we're going to simplify the process to help people and and try and take a little bit of the worry out of um how to kind of maintain a steady source of fuel during their race. So um, I think firstly the caveat here: everyone is different to working with. A nutritionalizer or a nutritionist would always give you the you know the best tailored results, but there's a few simple steps that you can follow to to make sure that you're kind of getting um, getting a steady stream of of energy coming through. Um, kind of just thinking about product wise, you in general terms, an energy bar is about forty grams of carbs. An energy drink, a standard energy drink, five hundred mil usually is about 40 grams of carbs energy gel is normally 20 to 25 grams of carbs just to give you some sort of idea what 
60 to 90 grams per hour is. Um, I think, you know, most energy drinks kind of are an hour's worth of fuel. So we are talking about hitting 40 to 60 grams of carbs per hour as a, as a kind of recommended um, sensible amount to, that your body will be able to cope with, but also you'll keep your energy levels up. So, um, so if we look at the stages of race day fuel, and I think the, there's, you know, there's some very key things that people should think about, and that's breakfast, preloading before the race, and then in-race fueling. Um, I guess, does that kind of... Yeah, well, I, I'd say until this year, I've kind of only done the breakfast and the in-race fuel, and I've never really thought about preloading that much because if it's not a marathon, then you kind of aren't really bothering with that anyway. But well, it wasn't until this year, and even with your main marathon, then you sort of yeah, your three hours before and breakfast was usually big enough that you were. I kind of I probably wasn't doing anything much other than maybe having a little bit of a you know maybe a banana half an hour before because anything much more than that felt a bit. Yeah, overkill. So but yeah, changed it up a little bit this year, but yeah, yeah. So so the so to, let's kind of explain the thinking about it then. So the, the the thinking is that um, if you were if you were doing a normal day at work, most people, if you know, and if you had a desk job, for example, most people would have their breakfast probably about six seven o'clock in the morning before they go go into work and we're talking about eating breakfast about six o'clock in the morning for a marathon then yeah. they would probably um mid-morning they would probably have a snack um at their desk or something like that during during the work six cups of, six cup of, co cups of yeah. coffee and about half a dozen donuts yeah exactly and then and then <laughs> they would and then they would probably rock into lunch about 12 to one o'clock and have a big lunch uh, or you know a decent size meal probably 600 calories and probably quite a lot of carbs in that because it would be sandwiches and wraps yeah. and things like that so and then they turn up at a marathon and they have probably a smaller breakfast because they say they don't want to overeat what they're having um and don't want to feel bloated and they yeah. don't eat anything until the start of the race and the start of the race for example london is 10 past 10 so that would probably be where they're having their mid-morning snack and they yeah, finished the race three hours after they've had breakfast already yeah yeah and then they finished the race four hours five hours you know fast guys three hours two and a half hours but we're, we're talking about you know even the fastest guys we're talking about one o'clock um yeah. by the time they get get to anything and and the other guys we're talking about like mid-afternoon so a lot of people basically eat more and fuel better to sit at their desk and do work than they do to try and run a marathon and i think that that if you look at it and think about it that way it's quite scary how you know what why people say well i get to 16 miles or even before that two hours into the run they basically bonk hit the wall run out of energy and it's game over and it's a total suffer fest trying to get in after that so yeah, because, and then and then half of that is then they don't really know what to blame because you don't really know whether they're to the blame. Well, yeah, but I, you know, maybe I only got up to sixteen or eighteen miles on a training run, so that's why my legs gave out. When in reality, it could be well, actually your legs probably would have kept going. They uh, just they just run out of food. A hundred percent, and it, and you know, 
your the, the the body will only go for for two hours on on what fuel it's got in there from from the start. It will run out of fuel, um, and and a, a very common goal is well. Well, I took two gels. I took one at seven miles, and I took one at fifteen miles, and then I tried to take one at eighteen miles, but it made me feel sick, so I stopped taking it. But they're taking the fuel so late in there after they've started running. So they're between breakfast and that gel at seven miles, we could be talking five hours. Uh, yeah. At that stage, the body's already depleted, already craving or needing certain things. And if you give it the wrong stuff, you will reject other other things. So people then will get stomach cramp or just throw up gels. And then they'll say, oh, don't get on with gels. When actually it's not the gels, it's just because they've put their stress so much under their body that they can't actually cope with the fuel anymore so it's it's um you're right it's a it's a it's a funny old um kind of concept to um trying to explain to people that actually if you if you kind of put a little bit more in the tank um you might not actually get to that uh problem and and your race could be totally different yeah because the same people could potentially be doing uh, a trail ultra that's going to take eight, nine hours, ten hours, and not have any issues with it because because the the tendency there is aid stations maybe every three or four miles, and there's real food there that they're so they're you know they could potentially be sort of tucking into food as early as an hour into their race. Uh, um, exactly, exactly. They, they probably haven't had their breakfast three hours beforehand because there's not so much of a stress because the you know you, you know you're not trying to run quite as fast in most cases but yeah the, the the real food's there and it's there to eat and it's there to eat early as well isn't it really exactly and people stop at aid stations and stand there and yeah. chat and talk yeah a road marathon is a totally different ball game um and uh, for example a, a lot of marathons only provide water um yeah. you know you've got you've got london that's got lucasade but actually lucasade energy products you know people don't use them day to day um you're trying something that your body's not used to you know very strong orange flavored energy product and and they always go with the orange as well which is one of the more uh, you know i mean when i used to use lucasade on long runs i mean i I, I, the first two or three marathons i did i started with a full bottle of lucasade sport and threw it away with about three mouthfuls left at mile 26 but it was never the orange one because the orange one's disgusting (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Some people like it, some people don't. But I think the whole point is that, you know, you shouldn't, for a road marathon, you can't rely on what the the event's got there to fuel you. You know, you need to go prepared and then yeah. make sure that you're ready to, to rock and roll sort of thing. So so let's get back to those stages. So, so breakfast, I think very, very key. Breakfast is, you know, getting the, um, getting the, a decent amount of slow release carbs in whether that be wheat bits whether it be toast whether it be porridge whether it be whatever you normally have granola and yogurt and things like that you just need to make sure that you've you're having a breakfast that you uh, have used before three hours before a run and that you're happy that you will keep um you you'll get the most out of it and you'll get your um your fueling from it um, yeah, I mean, this one's a tricky one with the big city marathons because, generally speaking, when you're going out, if it's a local race, you're having, you're at home, aren't you? With you know, with the big city marathons, it's going to be a hotel, 
if you've got breakfast at the hotel, it's going to be whatever they've got on. If you, if they haven't got a breakfast at the hotel, it's whatever you've taken into your room the night before. Oh, but I think that's the thing. It's preparation, isn't it? If you if you yeah. know you need something, if you need if you eat Weetabix, you take Weetabix with you. you yeah. The hotel won't mind. <laughs> so, no, so you just they take, yeah, they're, take, saving, they're saving money if you're eating their own food, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah. So, so make sure you've got your breakfast that you want. Uh, I think after that, it's the it's the preloading stage, and this is the kind of the key one. I think that people always miss out. This is the how to get through from burning all that nervous energy of you know traveling from the hotel or or home to the event carrying your bags getting getting changed putting the stuff on the on the loading truck leaving most well, of it in the portal though. exactly exactly and and you know people don't underestimate the amount of energy they use just faffing and worrying and and everything on on marathon morning so you know very key yeah we need to make sure that we're getting something in us that's going to keep us going through that um so i think the the a very easy way of looking at it is that you've got a you've probably got a three hour window that you want to drip feed slowly just make sure you're keeping yourself topped up and the best way to do that is a high carb energy drink um that you you regularly use whether it be you know, Morton 360, Tailwind, Mountain Fuel, Lucasade, whatever you're, uh, whatever you use all the time, um, you you can make sure that you're sipping that. And the key is to sip it over that um, period of time. And I'd say make sure that you know you, you start drinking it after breakfast and stop drinking it an hour before, 45 minutes before the race. So you're not kind of filling your bladder up just before the race you give yourself plenty of time to clear it out but yeah you know, I mean, read in half this year i think i, I stayed at my mum's which was kind of like 45 minutes away and had the start of morton 320 as i was leaving there and finished it at the end of my journey which so i finished yeah it, it took me 45 minutes to drink it and it was finished an hour before the race starts and similar with London last year, I think I had, it was tailwind last year because it was really hot last year, and I had yeah, uh, five hundred mil tailwind. Sort yeah, of in, and I think in the in the two hours leading up to the race, that probably finished and probably finished that yeah, maybe three quarters of an hour, maybe when the luggage truck was taking all our stuff away. Yeah, and and, the, and as I say the key is just to sip it slowly because the slower you sip it, the more your body absorbs the carbohydrate than if you. Basically, if you if you neck it, it's just going to go straight through you, and and you won't get the benefit from it. So the key is there to to drink that. So that way, you are keeping your body more fueled during during that phase um, and going forward. I I tend to also have like a uh, a like you say a banana or a, a very light energy bar, like a street waffle or uh, you know goose street waffle, honey stinger street waffle, or something like that. Something that I can nibble on during that time that will also keep me going but also will have 40 grams of carbs in so between like for example uh, a tailwind and a or a mountain fuel and one of those bars is 80 grams of carbs a uh, more 160 in a energy bar is 80 grams of carbs a morton 320 and an energy bar is um was it 120 grams of carbs over that Full period breakfast. of time so 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 uh, but 
all very light and you're not, you know, light over that period of time that you're basically going to hit that start line fueled like you were after breakfast, not depleting from all that energy you're wasting getting there and traveling and bits like that. Yeah. And then, and then we get to the race. So, so the, the next thing is kind of getting people to, to think about when they start taking their products and, and people take different things. Some people start with an energy drink. Some people start with chews. Some people start with gels. Some people start with jellies. There's no, it, it, there's no ruling to what you prefer and whatever you've tried and tested in training, but there is a, there is a kind of rule that you need to get that in early. There's no point you taking your first gel at seven miles after you've run an hour and that, gel taking 15 minutes to kick in so you're an hour and 15 minutes into the race before you're starting to put some fuel in the tank the idea so of, they, how long are they reckoning before the gel gets the, about, fi- about, about 15 minutes there's, there's sort of that sometimes where you well, you know you're, you're blowing at the end and you get that 23 and a half mile gel and you're thinking i'm actually just taking this for the sake of it just to make myself feel better or is it actually going to do any good uh, and, and basically for most people it will just because they'll be so depleted they'll probably get an energy spike off the sugar but they won't be able to actually process the carbohydrates so they will suddenly feel either very sick or they get a buzz off the caffeine in it or the sugar in it and then that will spike them and they will get probably probably a little bit of a boost and then they yeah. will drop drop off very quickly um because they basically depleted their body so early that, that when they take their gel their sugar spiking off it and then they get going in this kind of roller coaster of energy source rather than having a steady stream yeah so so if you so you know, if you took your first gel 10 minutes before the start of the race or on the start line, that gel is going to basically kick in. Uh, after, mile, after a couple of miles. Yeah. yeah, after a couple of miles, mile two, mile, mile three. Um, and then you kind of need to think about this 40 to 60 grams of carbs per hour. So 40, 45 grams, uh, sorry, 50 grams of carbs would be two energy gels. You know, a pack of chews um, is equivalent to two energy gels. An energy drink is 40 grams, that's an hour. All these things, it's quite easy to kind of work out where where you are on that. Um, so, you know, for, for gel strategy, probably the a, a very easy one to, to work on is a gel at zero and then a gel at five miles, a gel at 10 miles, a gel at 15 miles, a gel at 20 miles, and then, you know, yeah. If you are going to have another one, unless, you take unless, it, you're, you, unless you're you running take, five hours, in which case, in in, in that case, you you have to kind of add another gel in. So you kind of would say, well, it's it's it, within an hour, I'm going to travel six miles, so I need a gel every three three miles. You know, you need you need to you need to kind of work out your goal time and your gel. But you you know, if you if you're having an energy drink and you can combine it an energy drink and gels and things like that. But if you get that source of energy in early enough um, and just take it regularly enough and don't miss it, you will not then have that problem of your body going, Oh, what's this after seven miles and, and having problem not being able to cope with it. And you should therefore keep your sodium levels up, which will stop dehydration, which then will stop cramping and, 
you know, the, the multiple add-ons and benefits of just making sure that your body's well fueled and go, going, um, get, getting you through to the end. And, and I would say that possibly is one of the biggest things that from my first marathon running experiences to my final marathon running experiences, um, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm, um, I don't feel like I'm getting any real buzz off any energy product I'm taking, but uh, at the same time, my energy levels don't feel like they're dropping off a cliff at any point. I just feel like I'm keep on moving, keep on running, and my energy is still there. It's, it's depleting. Of course it's depleting because you're running a marathon. You're running a marathon as fast as you can. But it, it keeps – I don't feel like I've, you know, I've not hit a wall or an energy drop-off in the last 10 – 15 marathons I've done not like I did in the first few where where I've got the nutrition wrong yeah I mean I've got a, sort of a bit of a habit of taking of making a gel last quite a long time anyway I mean in a in a marathon then maybe that gel will only last me from the start of it to the finish of it a mile but certainly when well, on training runs if I ever do use a gel I mean you know, maybe on a 15 20 mile long run I might use one but I mean, I've I've known, I've had a gel that's lasted me four or five miles before I've actually even finished it, which I but, guess is. But, that, but that's right. As, as long as you're having it over that period of time, and if you're doing that, if you're doing that consistently, you're doing that throughout the race. So it's not it's not yeah. uh, it's not a problem. The, the main thing is that you don't you don't then say oh, I'm not going to have the next one because the because I feel no, all right. No, no, no. If you say I feel all right at the moment, so I'm not going to have one. Well, yeah. the problem is you won't feel all right in five miles time, and then yeah. it'd be and then it'd be too late, and then you'll be playing catch up, and you know, and and, and that's where you kind of have, yeah. I mean, uh, I'll generally start. Yeah, I mean, I, I hadn't really done start line ones until this year and a couple of races, but yeah, certainly it's been sort of five, ten, fifteen, twenty. But yeah, the the gel might start at five miles and finish at six and a half miles, but the next one's still going to start at ten. Yeah. Yeah, so exactly. sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's, you know, it might only be three miles in between bits of gel going in. But, yeah, I just don't particularly like bolting them in one go because it's, yeah. No, and, and like I say, it doesn't matter what you do. Like, if you had a pack of energy chews, you wouldn't take them all at once. You know, you've got, like, for goo chews, you've got eight chews, cliff blocks, you've got six chews. You know, you will eat those over the period of time of that, of that uh, when you're supposed to be taking them. But then you need to then go on to the next lot when you need to stay them they they do you know they are fueling a, a certain stage of the race and that's what you've got to remember again going back to where we started you you wouldn't do it sat at your desk just to type on the keyboard or just to do some stuff in the office you know you would go and have your snack you would go and have the bits the fuel you need to keep yourself going because whatever you're doing you're burning energy the dust yeah. how the body works so um uh, yeah so you've just got to make sure you're doing it for, for your marathon and, and, and going forward. Yeah, and you can practice this for half marathons. You know, you can go through the same routine, breakfast, morning. You can have a gel on the start line, gel at seven miles and half marathon. You'll probably run the best half marathon you've ever run. You know, we, we've got a lot of local people that do the same pre-marathon build-up, sorry, pre-race build-up for 10K and 5K where they travel to an event, they have breakfast, they have an energy drink and do all the preload, but they don't actually, they may take a gel on the start line, but they don't take anything in the race. Well, you wouldn't on a short distance race like that, 
but they're still loading the same to make sure that they go through. You you know, you watch TV and athletics on TV. They're all supping away on an energy drink before in the warm-up areas and doing different things. They're not kind of just sat there depleting themselves and hoping for the best when they get to the event. And it's no different from, you know, on that. There's probably more of a need. The, the, the slower that you are in time-wise because you're going to be out there a lot longer. Yeah, I guess it's it's tricky for people that are going to take a really long time because, you know, as you say, if you're out there five, six hours, you really don't want to be drinking, you know, 10 or 12 no. gels. There's a lot of gels, isn't there? But, but you would use different products, and I think that's yeah, the main yeah, thing. You, you, would say, you would you would say, you'd say, you'd say, yeah, because, you know, you could do it on cheer charge flapjack bars, you could do it on, you know, either you could do it on lots of different products. You know, you could have a, you could have an energy drink. You could even have someone by the front of the road that's going to give you a new bottle. You, you know, if you're going to able to stop and pick those things up, but it's that same thing. If you don't see someone in a road marathon because you've missed them because it's, there's 25,000 people going for, through, you need to make sure you've got at least something in your hip, bag and things like that that you can carry on eating and if it's eating a bar nibbling on a bar every hour and things like that it's the same it's the same thing you can you know it could be if you're running six hours then there's nothing stopping you having your sandwiches in your bag as long as you're as long as you've got something going in you still need to fuel what you're doing it doesn't have to be a purchased energy product it just needs to be fuel and it still really needs to have that 40 grams of carbs minimum per hour to keep you going yeah, yeah, um, and I'm you know I've, I've changed products over the years. That you know this is the first year I've gone with Morton products. There's no, you know, it's maybe it's the the cool thing at the moment or whatever. But you know certainly I've I've switched gel manufacturers over the last two or three years a couple of times and mixed them up a bit. And they yeah you know, I think they all do the same as far as the energy goes. It's just you know different flavors, different that- textures. Exactly. It's all about what your body, your body can can cope with. And if you look at, yeah, if you look at all the energy gels from, from you know, from goo to SIS to torque to humor gel to spring energy gel to, you know, to Cliff Bar, they're, they're all roughly 20 to 25 grams of carbs. You know, you, you yeah. get the one that you works with for you and go forward. Like the same with chews, the same with energy drinks, you know, and all the or combination of, of all those. So. Yeah. Cool. So hopefully that kind of explains explains race day fuel in a little bit, and hopefully that will give people a few a bit, a bit of an idea. And hope also because we're going to release this tonight that it won't panic people too much before London. No, and, uh, and, they, and they should still be taken on a little bit of water. You know, I mean, depending on how hot. I mean, last year because it was ridiculously hot. I mean, you know, I would imagine it took on a lot. Of, I was certainly taking a cup of water at every aid station. Um, probably drinking maybe a mouthful of it and the rest of it going over my body to try and cool me down. Whereas yeah. if, if it's if it's ten degrees this with this year, then maybe that'll only be every other aid station, maybe and or maybe not at all. But well, exactly, and and you know people know how much they drink. You know, I, I don't train with water. I probably had two sips at Manchester Marathon. Um, but then I was taking gels every five five miles, and you know you getting something from there. And I was well hydrated beforehand, the days beforehand. So, you know, uh, you, you just and, and everyone is different. If you if you are a drinker, you're going through. But again, 
you're you're better off having something with something in it like electrolytes or um or fuel in there rather than just going with plain water but but yes do take sips from water and if it is hot do take a bottle and if yeah if it goes over your head or, or in your body it's 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 all good yeah i mean I'll, I'll probably start this year i'll generally start with maybe a 250 300 mil um bottle of water in my hand and i'll probably jettison that somewhere after halfway i just you know i just quite like having something to be able to take one sip from every maybe two or three miles and I just can't, and, and the hassle of, especially at London, of getting over to the tables and getting a drink and not getting tripped over the first six or seven miles, maybe not where you're running, but certainly in the, in and around the three hour mark is, yeah, it's a good bit horrendous. Day. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, there's a pretty good chance of getting tripped up. So, yeah, the, the least amount of time I have to get very, my running sort of, line and run over towards a table or not the better for me it just means i can sort of not not worry about it and just try and keep out of the way of it yeah that's very sensible and, and also you know at the end of the race making sure that you get hydrated and get something in you at the end and again i, I would steer clear of too much water because obviously you don't want to wash yourself out but uh, you know make sure you've got something in your bag that you like afterwards or make sure that uh, whoever's meeting you has got something that you like that you can get in you pretty quickly, and if it's a chocolate milk, if it's a recovery drink, or if it's you know uh, uh, can, a bo- bottle of coke. Yeah, I always think that you need to get something in before <laughs> five or seven. We've got a few of our crowd that like to. Uh, well, I had some experiences last year, and I'm sure you have another one again this year. So, um, yeah, hope, hopefully not quite as severely. <laughs> no, no, no. Hopefully. So yeah, I think I think we'll wrap things up there, Steve. I think we've covered most most stuff on race day fueling, and hopefully given everyone some pointers. And um, again, if anyone's got any questions, they happily uh, check them on Facebook, and we can answer them through. We had a few questions following the last one, which was great. Um, so hope everyone's enjoyed episode two of the Endurance Sports Running Podcast. Um, the show's now available um, to follow and you can follow the podcast on Spotify. Um, it's listed um, now on, well, it's been submitted to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, which we hope will be showing up in the next um, few days. So once that goes on those platforms, it'd be great to get some feedback and reviews and comments actually on the uh, podcasts and some follows. Uh, and again, leave us some feedback and comments Um on topics that you'd like us to discuss. Uh, until next time, I think that's a, that's, that's wrapped. So cheers, Steve. Indeed, I'll see you at eight o'clock Saturday morning. Yes, sweet. For a, for a jolly, jolly, jolly trip up on a bus. Yeah. Right. Something to look forward to. Right. Cheers, everyone. Thank you. Cheerio.